Eight years ago, in the summer of 2013, I went on a trip that I'll never forget. After having been to Poland and having visited the death camps for the first time five years earlier while a student at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem, I came back to Poland, but this time as part of a very, very different experience. This time, I went to Poland along with my dad, my cousin from England, and my Zeta Saul, my legendary grandfather, who along with being the oldest Chazan or cantor in Canada, he's 96 years old by the way, is a Holocaust survivor who was born in Poland and hadn't been back in 73 years since fleeing the Nazis in 1940. It was an incredible trip for many reasons. Opening a window into my Zeta's childhood before the war, getting to hear about the good, bad, and ugly of my Zeta's early years and the place where it actually happened, and even learning about where my now wife, then not yet girlfriends, Zeta grew up as well. Yes, our Zetas grew up in the same shtetl, were in the same elementary school class, both survived the war, and both ended up in Winnipeg, Canada. I know, crazy. One of the craziest parts of the trip was when we finally found my Zeta's childhood home in his hometown of Sanok in southeast Poland. I still remember the address, 43 Ulica Slovatskiego, because we spent so much time looking for it. As you can imagine, things had changed so much in 73 years. It was such a surreal moment as we walked up the steps to the front door of my Zeta's childhood property and he went to knock on the door. It was such a weird feeling to be knocking on a stranger's door, knowing that this property had belonged to my Zeta's family for years and was taken away from them after the Shoah, never to be returned. I couldn't help but think back to that experience last week when the lower house of the Polish parliament passed a bill that would create major obstacles for Holocaust survivors like my beloved grandfather to recover property that was first seized by the Nazis and then confiscated by the Polish communist regime. In fact, obstacles is putting it lightly. According to the World Jewish Restitution Organization, also known as the WJRO, the legislation would make it, quote, virtually impossible for Holocaust survivors and their families to obtain restitution of or compensation for property unlawfully taken away during the Holocaust and communist periods. Hi. I'm Avi Posen. And I'm Sarah Himmelis. And this week, we're unpacking the proposed law on Holocaust restitution in Poland. Why did the Polish parliament pass this legislation? And what does it mean for the international Jewish community? First, let's go through a little bit of background. Before World War II, Poland was home to 3.3 million Jews and the largest Jewish community in Europe. Three million of them 90% of the Jewish population of Poland were killed in the Holocaust. The majority were murdered in ghettos, death camps, and concentration camps in German-occupied Poland, including Auschwitz-Birkenau. According to the WJRO, the Nazis were also responsible for the methodical theft of Jews' possessions, including their homes and businesses. After the war, the Polish communist regime subsequently nationalized this property that had belonged to Jews, along with the property of many other Poles. And yet, despite this history, Poland is the only country in the European Union that has not passed a comprehensive law 
to return or provide compensation for private property taken during the Holocaust or communist periods. The Anti-Defamation League tweeted that with the new legislation, Poland's poor history on Holocaust-era restitution just got worse. After the bill was passed, Polish government officials focused on Poland's role during the war and evaded any responsibility for the Holocaust. Polish Prime Minister Mateusz Morawiecki vowed that his country, quote, will not pay for German crimes, neither zloty, nor euro, nor dollar. Poland's foreign minister said in a statement that, quote, Poland is by no means responsible for the Holocaust, an atrocity committed by the German occupier. The Polish prime ministers obviously got a point here. Poland was a victim of Nazi aggression. Everyone knows that World War II started when Germany invaded Poland on September 1st, 1939, something Poland obviously didn't ask for. And the Nazis actually killed 1.9 million non-Jewish Polish citizens. But the claim that Poland does not share any responsibility for what happened is historically inaccurate. In a 2018 article published in The Atlantic titled The Truth About Poland's Role in the Holocaust, Edna Friedberg, a historian at the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum, argued that Poland's role contrasted collaboration and courage. Collaboration with the Nazis on the one hand and courage in resisting the Nazis and saving Jewish lives on the other hand. Friedberg acknowledged that Poland was the victim of German aggression, suffering one of the most brutal occupation regimes among countries in the Nazi orbit. She also noted that more Christian Poles were recognized for risking their lives to aid Jews than citizens of any other European country. But other Poles, Friedberg wrote, did the opposite. They supported and enabled Germany in its campaign to exterminate the Jews. In her article, Friedberg also brought up a series of incidents that she argued, quote, muddy the waters between victim and oppressor in the chaotic environment of wartime Poland, end quote. The history of the village of Gniewczyna Lansutska is a case in point. In May 1942, non-Jewish residents of the town held hostage some two to three dozen local Jews. Over the course of several days, they tortured, and raped their hostages before finally murdering them. At the same time, recent interviews with locals reveal that other Christian Poles in Gniewczyna Lantzutska tried to shield Jews. What's really shocking is that violent riots against Jews in Poland continued even after the war. The most shocking of these incidents was the Kielce pogrom in 1946, when a mob of Polish soldiers, police officers, and civilians murdered 42 Jews. Just imagine, these Jews had just survived the Holocaust, had just settled or returned to their town, only to be murdered by their fellow Polish citizens, in many cases, their former neighbors. The story of the Kielce pogrom is powerful, emotional, distressing. According to the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum, Quote, while the pogrom was not an isolated instance of anti-Jewish violence in post-war Poland, the Kielce massacre convinced many Polish Jews that they had no future in Poland after the Holocaust and spurred them to flee the country. Coming just one year after the end of World War II, 
the massacre shocked people around the world, end quote. Now let's talk about the current legislation. According to Haaretz, under the new law, outstanding claims to recover property seized during the Holocaust that have not reached a final decision in the last 30 years would be halted or dismissed, and new appeals of decisions reached more than 30 years ago would also be barred. Gideon Taylor, president of the Claims Conference and chair of operations for the WJRO, clarified that the legislation is not about what Germany did during the Holocaust, but is instead about what the Polish communist government did after the war, when they confiscated the property. In passing this legislation, Taylor argued, Poland is evading responsibility for property it took and benefited from. He added that this law represents a step backward for Poland on this issue. We should mention that Poland has a history of denying all responsibility for the Holocaust, and even codified this position into law. In 2018, the country passed a Holocaust speech bill that penalized anyone who accused Poland or the Polish people of being complicit in Nazi war crimes. Although the law was eventually amended to make such statements a civil as opposed to criminal offense, the legislation caused a rift in the relationship between Israel and Poland. One thing that captures the Polish government's general attitude toward this issue is its objections to the phrase Polish concentration camp as opposed to Nazi concentration camp in German-occupied Poland or concentration camp on Polish soil. Their argument is that the phrase Polish concentration camp wrongly implies that Poland set up or ran the camps. This issue came up in 2012 when President Barack Obama referred to a quote, Polish death camp while he was posthumously awarding a presidential medal of freedom to Jan Karski, a Polish resistance fighter. Polish officials heavily criticized Obama's use of the phrase, and Obama was quick to apologize. As you can probably imagine, Israeli and Polish governments have very different perspectives on this legislation. According to Owen Alterman, senior international affairs correspondent at I-24 News, the Israeli government's position is that the least Poland can do is give a measure of justice to the families of Holocaust survivors. The Polish position, on the other hand, is that allowing the families of Holocaust survivors to reclaim these properties is a slippery slope with no end, and that this would create injustice to many Poles who have used this land over the course of decades. In response to the bill, Israeli Foreign Minister and alternate Prime Minister Yair Lapid said that, quote, no legislation will erase the memory of millions of Jews who were killed on Polish soil. Lapid added that the law is, quote, a horrific injustice and disgrace that harms the rights of Holocaust survivors, their heirs, and members of the Jewish communities that existed in Poland for hundreds of years, end quote. Meanwhile, Polish Deputy Foreign Minister Paweł Jablonski argued that the bill was designed to protect against fraud and abuse, tweeting, quote, Poles, like Jews, were victims of terrible German crimes. This legislation will protect the victims of these crimes against fraud and abuse. 
So what does all of this mean for the Jewish world? In an interview on I-24 News, Taylor, the WJRO Chair of Operations, said that the legislation is, quote, very disappointing, both symbolically and substantively. Taylor said, quote, what this bill is saying to Holocaust survivors is that you don't matter, your claims don't matter, and history doesn't matter. He added that, quote, for many Holocaust survivors, a building, a small house in a town, a factory or a shop, is the last symbolic connection that they have to a world that was destroyed, their last connection to their roots. That's why this issue runs deep. It's a very powerful symbolic statement. Ron Lauder, the president of the World Jewish Congress, condemned the legislation as well. He said, quote, This law sets a terrible precedent throughout Europe as survivors and descendants continue to seek justice. He argued that, quote, The time has come for the international Jewish community to reevaluate our relationship with a government that is behaving with unimaginable callousness. The conversation surrounding this legislation, it ultimately raises the question of how do you deal with the complex history? Nations as well as people can relate to this. It doesn't feel good to be blamed for something you didn't do. But in this case, Poland does bear responsibility for terrible anti-Semitism that permeated too much of modern Polish history. The Kielce pogrom, which happened one year after the Holocaust, is a particularly shocking example of that history. It's true that there were many non-Jewish Poles who were victims of the Holocaust, and that Poland itself was invaded. But the tragedies that befell the Jewish people there were unique and systemic. The question that all of this leaves us with is, how should our own histories animate our presence? Is Poland doing a good job in answering that question? Thanks for listening. This episode was hosted by me, Sarah Himmelis. And me, Avi Posen. This Week Unpacked is a production of Unpacked, a division of Open Door Media. And this episode was sponsored by the Jewish Federation of Broward County. Make sure you don't miss future episodes by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the pod, we think you might like our other Unpacked podcasts too. I want to specifically recommend Unpacking Israeli History, where every episode, my colleague Noam does a deep dive into interesting and complex events in Israeli history. I love this podcast because it's actually a nuanced, honest portrait of stories about a messy and amazing place. And of course, we can't leave before reminding you to rate and review This Week Unpacked and to share it with your friends. We want to hear what you think also. Shoot us an email at podcast at jewishunpacked.com. This episode was edited by Avi Posen and John Kunza, audio engineered by Rob Para, and written by me. Rifki Stern is our producer, and Noam Weissman is the executive producer of This Week Unpacked. Thank you for listening. See you next week.